Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. We are back from an impromptu hiatus. I went on vacation. I proposed. I got engaged. A lot of things happening in the life of the nerd. But without further ado, let's jump into Season 2, Episode 22. And we are talking about Lake Placid, an amazing creature feature from 1999. So let's jump into all that now. So this is the Nerd Review of Lake placid it's the president from independence day and mad eye moody taking on a giant crocodile while betty white is cracking jokes along the way this movie is awesome from the very opening scenes of lake placid this immerses viewers in the serene beauty of this fake titular lake placid more on that later lulling everyone into a false sense of tranquility however beneath the calm waters lies a secret that is about to unravel in a spectacular fashion when an unlucky university student gets bitten in half and the movie quickly dials up the horror and gore sheriff hank played by the amazingly talented brendan gleason mad eye moody from the harry potter films is on the water helping these eggheads type as he puts it when the first attack happens and while trying to rescue this poor egghead he pulls him out of the water and it's only the top half of his body his guts are all falling out and shit uh, it's amazing vfx work here and we're really setting a tone for this creature feature and with so many creature features to pick from, the incredibly talented cast is really what sets Lake Placid apart, as is the case with most of the popular genre movies like this. Uh, Lake Placid's roster is jam-packed, featuring the likes of Bridget Fonda, Bill Pullman, Brendan Gleeson, Oliver Platt, and Betty Frickin' White, just as the, the, the stars of the, among all of the other great actors and thespians who were in this movie. There's a couple good, um, cameos too i'll get to that in a moment uh they all deliver performances that are nothing short of stellar uh, fonda shines as her character kelly scott the paleontologist being sent away by her now ex-boyfriend and boss because he's dating mariska hargitay which is absolutely hilarious little role in this uh, and i did the calendar math lake placid would hit theaters in july of 1999 which is only two months before law and order svu would hit tv airwaves which is in and of itself something that's amazing that's um 24 almost 25 years ago that law and order svu started and it's currently in season 24 and, and she is still the star of this series which is uh, an amazing accolade to have uh and to think that you know we're talking about um this show and this movie at the same time and they're, they're you know one of them they both have started 24 years ago and one of them is still going and, and technically like placid the franchise is still going and we'll talk about that uh in a moment but there is something really enduring about the procedural crop crop cop drama uh am i right like i've only watched maybe a combined 60 plus seasons of this genre across a handful of shows like csi bones and just just to name a couple of them and just there that's like 25 seasons of tv um so the proof is in the insane season count these shows get and okay i, I digress back to lake placid now uh fonda or kelly her character uh is tasked with unraveling the mystery behind the strange death up in maine only to discover she is facing off against a giant 30 foot crocodile terrorizing the lake pullman uh 
Jake, I believe his name, yeah, his name is Jake, uh, brings a touch of humor and rugged charm as Jack, Jack Wells, the local wildlife officer. While Oliver Platt chews the scenery with his eccentric and scene-stealing portrayal of Hector, a mythology professor that believes crocodiles are the first gods to ever be worshipped around the world. And he's become a celebrity in his own right, having traveled the world to swim with crocodiles. And as a huge Oliver Platt fan, I was uh, absolutely loved his portrayal of Hector. Um, I was actually recently recommended the movie The Imposters. Imposters? Imposters? It's spelled with an O instead of an E. So imposters, impostors. Uh, a few months ago by a good friend, and I absolutely loved it. And this movie is Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci, uh, who's probably Stanley Tucci, who's probably one of my all-time favorite actors, which is actually the conversation that led to the recommendation of that movie. Um, everything comes full circle. Uh, it was absolutely loved his portrayal in The Imposters with Stanley Tucci. You should definitely check that out. But uh, just huge Oliver Platt fan. And his portrayal of Hector was was great. He had a, a penchant for quirky one-liners. His character is arguably one of the best in the movie. Uh, and he, he kind of has the only, like, emotional depth or, you know, like... Character growth is what I was going for. Um, he, he experiences growth and goes from this eccentric man who arguably has a death wish, i.e. going for a swim with a confirmed man-eating crocodile, and after a revelation and some stern yelling from Mr. President, uh, I, I mean Jack the Wildlife Officer, <laughs> Mr. Pullman, uh, that is, informs him that uh, he didn't get eaten because of some mystic bond, simply because they had just watched the crocodile eat a damn cat. Uh, and I'll get to the cow-eating thing in a moment. Uh, by the end of the film, though, uh, Hector genuinely wants to help after realizing how dangerous the situation is, and he uses his helicopter and his deep pockets and funding to assist this tiny, you know, fictional town of Maine and these, uh, you know, Kelly and Jack, Jake, Jake, Jack, 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 yeah. Uh, and of course... All of this is clearly overlooked because this movie is about a goddamn crocodile and I'm probably one of the few people tuned into the emotional journey of Hector, the mythology professor, but, uh, you know, huge Oliver Platt fan. So that's where my interest was. Uh, now, uh, after Mad-Eye and his student, damn it, you know, I mean, Sheriff Hank, uh, Brendan Gleeson, is witness to a student being bitten in half. He teams up with... Jack, that's his name, Jack, uh, Bill Pullman and Kelly, Bridget Fonda, to determine exactly what could have done such a thing. Uh, all the way up here in this fictional town in Maine, where there are no alligators or crocodiles, as this picturesque setting of, quote, Lake Placid, you know, played a crucial role in shaping the film's atmosphere. And some of this is taken right from the box and the IMDb synapse of the movie, right? And I'm doing that on purpose because it's absolutely hilarious that the lake, even in the movie, isn't actually called Lake Placid. It's Black Lake, a point to which the sheriff, Brendan Gleeson, comments one of his lines is they wanted to name it Lake Placid, but the name's already taken. And thus we find ourselves not in Lake Placid, New York, a real place. No, we are in the fictional Black Lake, Maine. That said, the actual filming location, you ask? Well, it's all filmed in British Columbia, Canada, of course. Literally the other side of the wrong country. This movie is all over the place. And considering it's a fictitious movie, why the hell didn't they just say they were in Lake Placid, New York? A real place with assumed lakes. 
that are placid, Lake Placid, you know? Like, I don't, it's, it's a very strange choice, and no one else seems to be mentioning this on the IMDb page or the Wikipedia page. Just, I had to get that off my chest. This movie is just all over the place, like literally different sides of countries, the wrong countries too. They're not even in Maine. They were in Canada the whole time. Uh, and so now that that is out of the way, the serene landscapes of BC and expansive lakes of Canada provided the perfect canvas for the tranquil yet ominous ambiance required for the storyline. And this Juddock's position of breathtaking scenery with the lurking menace beneath the lake surface added such an extra layer of tension into the narrative. Now once the movie gets going and the gang is all gathered together, they set out on their investigation to find and prove that there is a man-eating crocodile in Maine. To get the support of all of fish and wildlife, they need conclusive proof that there indeed is a crocodile, which is one of those classic need support to get proof but need proof to get support scenarios because logic need not play a part in the world of cinema. Thus, our group of researchers set out onto a potentially deadly lake, and while leaning over the edge of the boat, a deputy gets his head chomped clean off. Like, just like the crocodile just jumps parallel to the boat and just rips his head off right at the neck like perfect decapitation uh, which is hilarious but it is done with spectacular special effects and then during the panic you know one of the boats gets flipped over and Fonda's character gets repeatedly knocked into the water only to be saved each time moments before she gets chomped by the crocodile and by the third time I wasn't even worried or excited for a gory maiming because she always got saved and the plot armor the shielding that the plot is giving her is terrible sometimes. Stop putting main characters into life and death situations so many times if they're always going to survive. Let them witness it or something. The second, third time, this can still have an impact on the character and the audience won't be rolling their eyes as someone who never, you know, had her character had never gone camping and she's nearly sidestepped certain death for the third time and is what's supposed to be 73 hours. Uh, you know, like having her witness the death of the deputy is one thing because it still impacts the character she gets splashed in blood she can still have that like you know she's shaken in the next scene or she's had some you know trauma and it's not just like oh she stepped right out of the way of danger you know time after time after time again because oh she's like super uh, lucky or just you know plot shielding it comes down to plot shielding it's another trope and it's just at some point it becomes a little bit of an eye roll um so random tangent aside they confirm that there is a crocodile uh they see it they witness it uh, while after their boat gets flipped over and somebody's head gets ripped off they see it um eating a cow it pulls a cow right off the the, the side of the the river the lake sorry uh and um this is where they went from animatronic to cgi and it's unfortunate that the cgi did not hold up uh, from 1999 to 2023 I'll, I'll talk about that a bit later um but this is where they see a house that has cattle and you know one of the crocodiles gets eaten uh, one of the crocodiles gets eaten one of the crocodiles eats a cow and um so that's where we they go to this this resident this the only resident this far up in the country and enter betty freaking white a no-nonsense get off my line kind get off my line get off my lawn kind of country gal who uh, may have been feeding these lovable little scamps a cow or two over the years and 
probably also her husband, though she openly admits that she killed him by hitting him over the head with a skillet and burying him under the bulkhead. And she just, she's sassy and she's mouthy and she's telling them to shut up and, you know, fuck off. And it is just, it's absolutely hilarious. It's Betty White. Uh, and, you know, just just a legend in and of, of herself. Uh, right, so they, they have confirmed it's a crocodile and also accounted for its size with having no predators and being raised on a diet of livestock and the occasional human, they now have a 30-foot crocodile on their hands, and they can set out to convince Florida wildlife officials to come and lend a hand, as no one in Maine has any experience with a crocodile. And this is where uh, we go from, like, the first half of the movie. The movie's incredibly short. Uh, I believe it had a runtime of, like, 86 minutes or something like that. Um, it's in my notes here. I believe it's a bit further down, though. Uh, and and so the movie shifts from the, you know, investigation portion and all the characters have arrived. You know, Hector, the mythology professor, has been attracted by the headlines that are all published in newspapers because it's 1999. And I doubt there was any, like, online sources for news. But, you know, maybe he had one. However, he figured out that there was a crocodile up in Maine. He has now arrived. And when the president, I mean, I mean, Bill Pullman's ranger character, informs Kelly and Hector um, that they plan on destroying the crocodile he's actually what they refer to in florida as a nuisance alligator or crocodile and i know this from having recently taken a vacation in florida and visited the everglades so that was very cool uh actually that visit is what prompted the rewatch of lake placid because i found out that my new fiance uh, has never actually seen lake placid so there you go a little bit of information on why we chose to see this creature feature so uh Yes, when a crocodile or an alligator eats a person or your dog or gets into your swimming pool, they are deemed nuisance alligators or crocodiles, and they have to be put down by the state. Now, there are rescues that, just like for, you know, problematic dogs, come in and try to rescue these alligators and crocodiles instead of having them put down. Um, but this is 1999, and Kelly and Hector are dismayed when they find out that the plan is to kill the crocodile, which they protest, exclaiming that the crocodile, you know, it's over 100 years old and probably migrated between continents and should be preserved, not killed. I guess PETA got a hand on the script at some point in this movie, which it makes sense because actually Betty White is an advocate and spokesperson for PETA, so that's interesting. Um, now, clearly, this was, like, the crux of the movie, and Mad-Eye and the President want to hunt and, you know, kill the crowd. I'm just going to refer to them as Mad-Eye and the President from the rest of the movie, because it's just easier than correcting myself. That's who I know them as. Uh, they want to kill the croc, and, you know, Sheriff Hank, this is his actual character, he has this giant gun that's just, like, the rounds look like the size of a softball that you put inside this, like, one-shot, one-kill, kind of blow-up-your-enemy kind of gun, and the good doctor and professor want to try and lure the beast into a trap and have it you know transported to a safe location for study or in the case of Hector worship now they uh, say what you will about forced conflict as in the beginning of the film the anthropologist you know she didn't seem very thrilled or fond get it fond uh <laughs> terrible puns about you know any of the wildlife but then insists on not killing the crocodile maybe she was moved by its beauty and grace or maybe it's just a creature feature and they needed a second act conflict and the city folk versus the country bumpkin was too easy a mark and all that said it was obviously worth it because when 
when one of them says to they plan to lure a 30-foot crocodile into a trap, it raises some very valid questions. And so let's have them answered by the movie itself. So first, we need to lure. So, like, you got to get it out of the water, maybe get it close to the bank in that sense. So the gang take a visit back to their ver their favorite potty mouth senior citizen and repossess one of her remaining cows as the bait if you had guessed it or maybe you've seen the movie um so they rig up uh you know poor betsy the cow uh, to the bottom of hector's helicopter because he's rich and eccentric and obviously travels via helicopter duh and they dangle the quadruped just above the lake hoping that the crocodile will be hungry for its favorite snack and if you're thinking that dangling a few hundred pound cow from a helicopter that is dangerously close to the surface of a lake and bystanders and there is a crocodile that's over 30 feet long that are you know known for jumping out of the water even in real life they're known for springing out of the water when they attack well that's just because you're super smart and you can see where this is going right because this goes spectacularly wrong the helicopter crashes people are thrown into the lake the crocodile is circling cues cue up the jaws theme you know uh except that everyone has strapped on that pesky suit of plot armor and no one gets chomped during this final showdown even the crocodile suited up before the final act and while attempting to chomp down on the main cast mr crocodile got himself stuck inside the down chopper which is an amazing practical thing that they actually rigged up like they put the fake crocodile like halfway through the opening of a helicopter which was just amazingly well done there's some great prop photos and set photos that show show this off really well um and so the you know hank and so president and you know matt i i keep getting their all these names confused they're so they're so known prolifically for those roles as the president and mad eye um so they want to kill the the beast they can see how dangerous it is and you know you have hector and kelly and they're they're you know like pleading with them please don't kill it and they point out that the gator is now trapped not in a net but it is trapped inside the helicopter it can't remove itself and instead of blowing them away with the big murder gun uh you know jack the the president he grabs the he's not the president he's the wildlife uh, ranger he grabs his trank gun and shoots him one more time with a trank and he, its head lulls to the side and so the president you know he saves the day and let floral florida wildlife transport the big boy to a research center but right as the music begins to swell there's a jump scare mrs croc jumps out of the water and tries to eat the sheriff and hank turns around and whips up his giant oversized gun his handheld cannon basically and blows mrs croc into chunks something which he clearly wanted to do since that opening sequence and one of his like egghead scientist guys got ripped in half and and you know all's well that ends well except for the couple of people that didn't have suits of plot armor of course and got chomped into bits and of course they can't just cut to credits before giving betty white one final hilarious scene this after everyone is gone and we get that very jurassic park 2 scene of the crocodile being transported out of Maine the camera pans back to Betty on her country lake property as she sits at the end of her dock and throws food to a tiny group of baby crocodiles dun 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 which of course was setting up the stakes for the rest of the Lake Placid franchise yes you 
you heard that correctly, Lake Placid is not just one awesome creature feature. For better or worse, there are actually six Lake Placid movies, the original and five sequels, including a crossover versus title, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. I have yet to begin what I can only assume is a journey of diminishing returns, but I am a sucker for a creature feature, and I love a good franchise. Usually by the third or fourth movie, things get absolutely ridiculous. I am definitely looking at you, Leprechaun, in space. I can only imagine what sort of crazy shenanigans these scaly inhabitants of Lake Placid will be getting themselves into. And who doesn't love a creature feature with a 30-foot animatronic crocodile, right? Well, I hope so. Otherwise, you've wasted a lot of time listening to this podcast. Unless you enjoy listening to me ramble on about movies you didn't enjoy, which I guess that's fine. Everyone's got to be doing something. I've probably watched Lake Placid at least a dozen times over the last 20 years, and it never fails to make me laugh out loud. Usually during those Betty White scenes, for sure, though, uh, honestly, the entire cast is really superb. I've said it during this episode, and I've said it in other episodes, one of the key factors in a monster movie is putting together a great cast, and that doesn't mean all Hollywood A-listers either. Uh, while that, that happens to be the case for Lake Placid, there are dozens of great creature features that manage to discover new talent. Tammy and the T-Rex comes instantly to mind when uh, you think of the performance of the young Paul Walker, uh, a charismatic genuinely funny cast goes such a long way when the script may be a bit underbaked or goofy and I say this a hundred percent certainty after watching all of the leprechaun movies uh, for oct in, in October I had wanted to do a special on the leprechaun movies but it was a ton of work and I was very busy uh, during the month of October but those leprechaun movies I will take a moment to talk about them here even with a terrible script terrible directing terrible everything yet somehow Warwick Davis and the right co-star were actually entertaining. There was two or three out of those original movies before the last two, they, those got rebooted on sci-fi, which surprisingly the best two of all of them the first one and the last two there's your leprechaun trilogy um i digress let's jump back uh and go into the behind the scenes and the making of lake placid and all the budget and box office stuff uh that i could dig up so one of the most amazing facts about this production is that the stan winston studios uh, actually created the 30 foot long animatronic crocodile and Sam Winston and his studio, just uh, as if you're not familiar with them, they also created the Monsters and Aliens and Jurassic Park, uh, which is why the crocodile that looks absolutely so amazing, even 24 years later, the animatronic crocodile is convincing and terrifying. Whereas that CGI that I mentioned earlier created for even just specific moments where the crocodile runs up on shore or grabs a cow to snack on, look like a cartoon character poorly pasted onto the film background which i mean is very 1999 of the movie thankfully it was limited to a very few parts of the movie otherwise we probably wouldn't be talking uh, you know in such a high regard for this creature feature as the featured creature would have been a shitty cartoon imagine watching jaws and every few shots the shark just turned into a straight up saturday morning cartoon character swimming around that's that's basically what this was and this is, uh, you know, it's evident across so many movies of the time, too. And the better productions like this one, like Lake Placid, uh, one would think where they were aware of the CGI. While it might look great at the time, it probably looked pretty good in 1999. They knew that it would probably not look great in a few years. And the 
thus minimize the usage for only the most unrealistic situations. And you know, another great example that comes to mind is the first Harry Potter movie, which came out, I believe, the same year, 2000, 1999 or 2000. Around then, the first movie hits theaters, and when they fight the troll, or when they're flying around on their broomsticks, there are key frames and sequences that you can clearly pinpoint that Harry has turned into a cartoon character. And thus, all, I mean, all that to say is that to go and create such a massive, amazing, articulated, submersible animatronic crocodile is absolutely fantastic and according to the short behind the scenes video that i could dig up it took hundreds of hours and a team an entire team of artists to create and sculpt this gigantic creature and there are some daytime test footages of footages footage of this monstrosity like it was just a test you know like to see like the animatronics and they said you know like in engineering water is always gonna win and this monstrosity just swimming and it's absolutely lifelike and terrifying. And if you happen to be like near that body of water and you saw it just moving its tail back and forth, you would have thought it was real and you would have run out of that water. And just like Jaws, it would have been a while before you went back into the water. And I did look for some figures on how much this thing cost. Unfortunately, I cannot find any such information. However, this brings us to the budget versus box office very nicely. And I can only assume that a decent portion of the 27 to 35 million dollar budget went to the Sam Winston Studios as without their absolutely fantastic skills as artists Lake Placid would never have made such a big splash and they would have been languishing in kiddie pools and not swimming in deep lakes of box office profits there was, was a lot of puns in a short sentence I'm done maybe uh so the movie is reported to have had like 27 to 35 million dollars which is as i mentioned many times before is factoring in the undisclosed amount for advertising for the film studios don't advertise how much they uh they don't advertise how much they spend on advertising it's kind of a little conundrum in a sentence now uh i make a big splash it did i said i said maybe i was done with the puns lake placid was a hit and it cleaned up at the box office making uh 56.9 million and remember, cleaning up at the box office in 1999 is much different than nowadays. So it made almost twice its budget if it were on the smaller side of the 27 million, uh, which is stellar for a creature feature. And especially when you look at the box office competition it was facing, which is exactly what I did, Lake Placid hit the big screen July 16th, 1999. And there were Oh, a handful of movies that one might recognize, such as American Pie, Big Daddy, and Star Wars Episode One, uh, plus a bunch of others too. And with such a packed roster, it's clear that the creature feature still draws a hefty crowd. Um, and though despite uh, the good numbers at the box office and the critics did not seem to enjoy Lake Placid very much. And though, to be honest, uh, how often do critics ever enjoy a creature feature no matter how good it is let's let's just not to throw mud but let's let's be honest they don't seem to enjoy it it's not as highbrow as the the critics want it to be um someone could direct the godfather of creature flicks and critics would still find some way to boohoo about it being a creature movie and unable to see past this um i mean bad reviews for the shape of water come instantly to the front of my mind as i say this always always handy to have a good example on hand uh so across 
across the board from Rotten Tomatoes to critic score, uh, you know, the, it's, it's unfortunately it's dismal. It's 37%. And surprisingly, at least for me, the audience score isn't uh, much higher. It comes in 10% higher at 47%. I guess the Lake Placid fan group is really more like a cult after all. And to be honest, I gave the movie 3.5 stars out of 5, which is around like 75% uh, on Letterboxd, this website where I track all of my movies. You can find me over there. And, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed this flick. It, it was, you know, it was the first time that my fiance saw the movie which always makes the viewing experience more enjoyable in my opinion it's it's as close as you can get to re-watching the movie for the first time yourself like if you were able to like eternal sunshine the memory of that movie and then you sat down and were able to enjoy it just as much as you had that first time that's what it's like when you get to watch the movie with someone like your your significant other it's it, it, it makes the viewing experience a little bit better because you're sharing something that you really enjoy with that person and i think that's that goes above and beyond. I, I, I always say that sometimes the experience around the viewing of the movie will impact how highly you rate that movie. If like you just got divorced or had like a car accident on your way to the cinema, you might be in a bad mood and you might not click with the movie as much as if you had like the best day of your life and then sat down to watch a movie you thoroughly enjoyed. I, I argue that your reviews are going to be a little bit different. Everyone has that little bit of subjective bias. Uh, that, was, that was a tangent. Uh, so like it was a very good and enjoyable movie in my opinion and even with the low reviews and the box office return was clearly enough to greenlight the sequel uh, about eight years later and with two with only a two million dollar budget and that's like a 98 percent decrease in funds and none of the sequels actually made it to the theater so there's that they were all like sci-fi straight to dvd releases so uh, unfortunately the lake placid franchise i said it before it's just a series of diminishing returns and i believe each one of them between like advertising on the the channels that they were airing on and dvd sales made like a million dollars profit and so all in all the lake placid franchise is not the most robust franchise the total profits sit around the 80 million dollar mark and the bulk of that comes from the original 1999 film clearly the best of all of them however it is a franchise nonetheless the most recent the sixth installment came out in 2018 and like i said i haven't gotten around to watching any of those sequels yet but i do plan to uh, i put them on the same list as the sharknado movies so one day maybe and that leaves us with some trivia and some goofs before the end of the episode here today so there was really only two things worth mentioning the first is kind of trivia and a goof and so the first one is during the beginning of the movie sheriff hank brendan gleason mad eye moody uh states that quote it would be impossible for a crocodile to swim across the ocean they cannot survive in salt water end quote and this is actually not true one of the distinguishing factors that differentiate crocodiles and alligators is that crocodiles actually can survive in salt water and alligators cannot interesting bit of trivia there and the only goof uh well so that was kind of a trivia and a goof but the only just completely goof uh from the imdb page uh was that during the scene after hector swims with the crocodile gets really up and close with them we talked about this the ha the al the hector <laughs> hector no uh the alligator had just eaten a cow i almost said that hector had just eaten the cow um the alligator had just eaten the cow so he doesn't eat hector but he does decide that the helicopter is a threat and he attacks the helicopter and now um at this point there was um a deputy with hector a deputy 
assigned to him, uh, Deputy Sharon, played by Meredith Salinger. She pulls her revolver and begins shooting out of the side of the helicopter at the crocodile. Now, except the sound VFX is of a suppressed pistol which this giant revolver is clearly not. And I will admit, I didn't notice this while watching the movie, but I did rewatch it with my headset on, the same one that I'm using right now for recording. And it is clearly like a pew, 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 when she's using a giant, you know, revolver, which should just be like, bang, bang, you know, like big, like, you know, ear splitting bangs from a weapon. And that was funny. I'm, I'm curious, like, did they just pick the wrong media file? Like nobody noticed that uh, in, edits or in reviews of the film and uh, that was just uh, those are the two little goofs there's maybe eight entries on this uh, imdb page which is surprising a lot of the other movies that you check the trivia and the goofs there's a very long list of things that people have to point out all the little different things and trivia and whatnot and some of it comes from the sources if you check something comes from people that worked on the movie maybe they were in craft services maybe they were you know a lighting expert they were just on the set and they happen to know something or hear something or be aware of something and they go and they put their their information on wikipedia or imdb so it's all very interesting stuff to read and to kind of cipher through and uh, i mean that that kind of wraps it up what more can i say i enjoy campy comedic creature features that a lot of other people don't like and i am perfectly okay with that i haven't uh, maybe i haven't said it in a while but i i really do like the phrase don't yuck my yum which is really just a simple way of saying that just because i like something doesn't mean everyone will and that's okay and it doesn't take away anything from me at the end of the day and in the grand tapestry of cinematic masterpieces let's face it the world needs more movies like lake placid and maybe some of you ask why well because in a universe filled with oscar-worthy dramas and mind-bending sci-fi epics there's an unmistakable void that only a giant reptile can fill and movies like lake placid step into this void not with subtlety or nuanced storytelling but with the grace of a a sledgehammer smashing through a wall and who doesn't love a good wall smashing spectacle uh, you know creature features with their larger than life monsters and plots as thick as the hides of their titular creatures provide a delightful escape from reality lake placid with its budget that probably rivaled that of the gdp of a small nation and a script that could make shakespeare himself reconsider his life choices is the crown jewel of you know this escapist extravaganza and you know in a world where plenty of folks take themselves too seriously lake placid says why so serious? We've got a giant crocodile to deal with. It's a refreshing break from, you know, existential pondering of other films, offering a simple yet profound message. Sometimes you just need a good laugh, a big tub of popcorn, and a monstrous reptile. And that's about it. That's all you need. And on that note, that is where I'm going to end today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Nerd Review of Lake Placid, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as every episode. Life has been super busy, and I've been busier. With so many different episode ideas flying around in my head, I am excited to be back in the studio after vacation and a small recording break while I recharge my nerd batteries. I look forward to the next episode, and I hope you are too. Without further ado, this has been the Nerd Review of Lake Placid, and this is the Nerd, signing off.